Good morning, Lighthouse Baptist Church. Good to see all of you today. Well, let's open with a word of prayer. God, we thank you that we can gather together as fellow believers. I pray, God, that we would learn more about you today, that we would be pointed to Jesus. And I pray, God, that we would look in Scripture to see how you've been pointing us to Jesus all along. God, we love you, and I pray that you would speak through me. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would guide us into better understanding of you. But no matter what our understanding of you is, I pray, God, that we would know that you love us. And we know that because of what you did for us through Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, we're starting a new short little series today. We're, we're starting a series on the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, Ecclesiastes is one of the three wisdom books in the Old Testament. They are Proverbs, Job, and Ecclesiastes. That's, that's what we call the three wisdom books in the Old Testament. So they all, even if they're not Proverbs, they all may have short Proverbs in them. They all have they're all showing the importance of wisdom. Some of them give us short lines uh, that we can kind of memorize and help uh, in day-to-day life. But today we're in Ecclesiastes, and we will be for the next few weeks. And so the name of this series is Smoke Detector. You know, what's a smoke detector? It tells you when there's smoke so that you can know that there's a fire. Well, Ecclesiastes is kind of like a smoke detector in the Bible. Why do I call it that? Well, if you've read Ecclesiastes before, you know that over and over again it says, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. You know, it'll describe a certain situation and it'll say, this too is vanity. This too is a chasing after wind. Well, what is vanity? What does that mean? Well, vanity means something is meaningless or pointless. But the Old Testament word that we get that from, or I should say when we read the Old Testament in Hebrew, the Hebrew word is a little bit more complicated than that. It can mean vapor. It can mean smoke. It can be, it can be basically saying smoke, smoke, all is smoke. Vapor, vapor, all is vapor. Now, why would it say that? Well, if you're reaching out for vapor, if you're reaching out for smoke, can you see it? Yes. Can you grab it? You can try, but you're not going to catch anything. So Ecclesiastes is going to show all of these different things we look for in life. Everything that we look for for meaning And then it's going to usually pretty much say, this is just smoke. It looks solid, but when we reach out for it, it's not. We can't reach onto it. We can't hold onto it. And so is life just smoke? Is it just vapor? Is it just meaningless? Well, Ecclesiastes is going to tackle that question. Well, it's going to do it, and it's going to do it in a weird way because it starts out by pointing to a teacher. 
it says, let me go to chapter 1. It says, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Well, the word that my translation, the English Standard Version, translated to preacher in the Hebrew is kohelet, which could mean preacher, it could mean teacher. It's basically somebody that stands before an audience and speaks. So, basically, Ecclesiastes is introduced, but then the rest of Ecclesiastes is somebody, is a teacher teaching something. And at the very end of Ecclesiastes in chapter 12, at the end he'll say these, this concludes the words of the teacher. So in Ecclesiastes, we're learning from a specific teacher, a teacher who identifies as a son of David, um, king in Jerusalem. So it could be Solomon. It could be somebody else. Uh, We think it might be Solomon, but we're just not sure. But ultimately, we know that it's scripture and that it can point us in the right direction and that we can learn from it. But ultimately, we're going to be learning from the teacher. That's what Ecclesiastes means. When they translated the Hebrew Bible into Greek, Kohelet in Greek sounded like Ecclesiastes. So that's Ecclesiastes is basically Greek for teacher. So this teacher that we're learning from is teaching us about life and if we can find any meaning in life and basically how to be smoke detectors. What is smoke? What is vapor? What is solid? And what is worth holding onto? So hopefully that's a helpful little introduction to Ecclesiastes since we'll be there in the next few weeks. Do you remember when you, this is kind of a morbid Sad question, but do you remember the first time you learned that you're going to die? I do. I remember the first time because when I was a kid, I knew that people died, but I thought the only people that die are the people that get killed. The only people that die are people that get murdered. And I thought, well, I, as far as I know, nobody wants to kill me, so I'm going to live forever. And I plan on being nice to everybody, so yeah, I'm, I'm living forever. But then I remember somebody spoiled this for me. Somebody ruined this and said, no, everybody dies. What? You mean I'm going to die? And I have no choice in this? It happens to everybody? That changed my view of time. And I'm sure when you learned that, assuming you learned it and you weren't like me, thinking that, You had to get killed in order to die. No, everybody dies. And when you find that out, by the way, I was like four or five. I wasn't like 15 when I found that out, just in case you were wondering. Cody, when did you find that out? But it changes our view of time when we find out that we have a limited amount of time. We don't have forever. We're going to die someday. And so, of course, as Christians, of course, as believers, we have a certain view of time. But everybody thinks about time, don't they? I mean, especially this time of the year. Today's December 30th. Tomorrow is New Year's Eve. And the next day is New Year's Day. So everybody's thinking about time right now. People are thinking about how much time they've spent much time they've lived. Maybe people are thinking about how much, how much time they have left. Regardless of which one of those you're thinking about, probably thinking about 
both, everybody is thinking about time. How much time do I have left? How much time have I spent? What is it, the soap opera Days of Our Lives? What does it say? Like, sand through the hourglass. So are the days of our lives. You know, that's typically how we view time. It's, it's running out. So what does the Bible, what does Ecclesiastes specifically tell us about time? Well, I'm going to read our passage for today. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 through 15. So the teacher says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live, also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him that which is already has been that which is to be already has been and God seeks what has been driven away so there's three things that we see in our passage today we see that there is a time for everything we see that God makes everything beautiful in its time and we see that what God does in time stands forever so the first thing we see is that there's a time for everything and we see that In verses 1 through 8, it goes through a whole list of different things, a time to be born and a time to die, and so on. I remember, uh, assuming all of y'all have gone through this before, but everybody typically goes through a first breakup. And I remember my first breakup, I didn't feel too great, so I called my cousin for some advice about it, for some help to deal with it and get through it. And he said, Cody, I, I want you to buy a concordance. I want you to buy Strong's Concordance. And if you don't know, a concordance is basically a list of words in the Bible. And it tells you the different places in the Bible that you can find that word. He said, I want you to look up the word 
hope in the concordance. So you can see how much it's in the Bible. So you can see how important it is. He knew that I needed help. And the most important thing for me was to have hope that things are going to get better. You know, the sun is going to come up tomorrow. It's going to be okay. But how did he know to give me that advice? How did he know what to say when I asked him for help with a breakup? Well, most likely because he had been through a breakup. He had gone through a similar time in his life. And because he had gone through that time, he was able to help me go through a similar time. But here's the problem. When we read this, when we read this, we may say, oh, well, does that mean I'm going to experience everything in life? You know, can I relate to people that haven't experienced certain things in life? But no, this passage isn't saying that you're going to experience everything in life. It just says that certain things in life are going to happen. You know, if I said there is a time for a president to be inaugurated, does that mean that you're going to be president one day? That'd be cool, but probably not. We probably won't know what that feels like or what that experience is like, but that still happens. And so we see in here that even though there's a time for something, that doesn't mean that necessarily we will experience that. But let's say my cousin had never gone through a breakup before. You know, sometimes people come to you for advice about certain things that you've never been through before. Somebody may say, uh, I'm all out of money, I'm bankrupt. And you may say, I don't know what that feels like. I've never gone through that. But we still help them. Why? How can we help someone if we haven't gone through a time that they have gone through? Well, I like how Brene Brown in her book, Daring Leadership, she talks about sympathy and empathy. And you can sympathize with someone and say, I'm sorry, that must be horrible. And you can empathize with someone and say, I'm going to be with you in this. But the question is, if we haven't gone through a similar time, you know, someone may ask me a question about marriage. I'm not married. Do I say, ask somebody else? No, I can still help them. Why? Because empathy doesn't require that you go through the exact same experience that somebody goes through. Empathy requires that you be with them in that experience because even if you haven't faced the exact same thing that they've gone through, you have felt pain before. You have felt hurt before. So you can be with somebody in their hurt, in their pain, even if it doesn't look like your pain, your hurt, even though it's not the exact same thing, because you have been hurt, you can still be with somebody who has been hurt. And so you're probably thinking, Cody, what is a breakup? What does this all have to do with this passage? Well, don't you see that in this passage, he's saying there is a time for good things and there is a time for bad things. You know, sometimes we look at the next year coming up. You know, it's about to be New Year's. And we say this year was kind of a struggle, had some bad things. But next year, everything's going to go right. Well, Ecclesiastes tells us, no, there's going to be some bad moments in 2019. Oh, 2019 is going to be the worst. Nothing but bad stuff. No, Ecclesiastes shows us 
that there's going to be good things happening in 2019. You know, every year on the internet, I see something like top 10 reasons why 2016 was the worst year ever. Top 10 reasons why 2017 was the worst year ever. Top 10 reasons why 2018 was the worst year ever. You know, we think we learn by now that every year has some bad in it, has some bad moments in it. But every year also has some good moments in it. And, you know, even if we don't experience certain things in our past, or even if we don't experience certain things in 2019, there's a time for everything, both good and bad. But, as we can see from what my cousin told me, with his bad experience, helping me in my bad experience, that God makes everything beautiful in its time. Now, I don't know if you've heard about Tyler Trent, but he's a Purdue student. That, um, I would say two and a half months ago, he was told that he has three months left to live. So he has cancer. He's had cancer for so long that he's had chemotherapy pumped through him to the point to where he can't even use the bathroom anymore. He has to have help with that. He had to have machines put in him, and even that sometimes fails. Now, Tyler Trent has become famous, and he's been on ESPN because he's a big Purdue fan. He goes to the games. He's been a source of inspiration to people. And so ESPN has been raising money for cancer research, raising money for help with victims of cancer. And they asked Tyler about that. And he said, well, maybe it won't help me, but maybe it will help somebody else in the future. You know, I may not see the benefits of it, but somebody else in the future may see the benefits of this. And so you might be thinking, Cody, are you saying that cancer is beautiful? No, of course, I don't think cancer is beautiful. It's horrible, it's ugly, it's disgusting. You know, we hate cancer. But Tyler was saying what Ecclesiastes says. You know, he says in verse 9, what gain has the worker from his toil? Basically, what's the point? There doesn't seem to be a point at all. But he also says, God has made everything beautiful in its time. So when everything seems like a waste, we see that with God, there is no such thing as waste. Lots of moments we go through in the past, we say, oh, that was a waste of my life. That was a waste of time. No, there's no such thing as a waste of time to God because God takes everything and he can make it beautiful in its time. And we don't know when that's going to be. Maybe it'll be tomorrow, maybe 50 years from now, maybe hundreds of years from from now. Tyler doesn't know. I don't know. But we don't have to give in to despair when life seems pointless because we know that with God, God makes everything beautiful in its time. There's no such thing as waste and God can use everything to bring about good. Even when life seems pointless, God gives us a point. God gives us meaning. God brings beauty out of ugliness. 
And the teacher in here, he compares our work to God. Now in verses 9 through 13, he talks about how, man, I've, I've seen the business that God gives man, uh, but you know what? It doesn't stand the test of time. And so what should man do? Just enjoy the time that God has given man. Just enjoy the food you have, the friends and family that you have. But what about God's work? Well, God's work does stand the test of time. God's work stands forever. What God does is timeless. And so he compares God, who stands the test of time, to us who do not stand the test of time. God, who is eternal, to us who are mortal. God, who is timeless, and us who are confined by the limits of time. And so reading this, it's good to see that what God does in time stands forever, but we can kind of feel a little hopeless when we say, well, how can we be a part of God's time? I see that what God does stands forever, but I see that what I do doesn't stand forever. How can I be a part of something that stands forever? How can we be a part of that? Well, what does the Bible tell us? In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 through 5, Paul says that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters, children, so that we might be adopted. What is, what is Paul saying here? He's saying, when the right time came, God sent his son. He's saying that all of time was leading up to that moment. And though Ecclesiastes may have an idea that God is sending help in the future, maybe that God's sending a Messiah, maybe that God is going to do something great, we see because of Jesus that what God does through Jesus changes our view of time. It changes our concept of time. It changes how we experience time. Because what God does stands forever. And we're not just watching something that God has done. We're watching something that God has done that made us adopted as sons and daughters, as children of God. What does that mean? It means that God defeated death. He defeated sin. We're no longer children of those things. We're children of God who is eternal. And that means that we can join in on God's eternal work. We can join in on God's whatever he does. It all stands the test of time. When the right time came, Jesus died on the cross for us. And God makes everything beautiful in its time. We talked about how ugly cancer is. And think about how ugly the cross is. Think about how ugly it is for Jesus to be crucified. But when I see that cross or any other cross, I don't think how ugly it is. I think how beautiful it is. Why? Because... God took Jesus' crucifixion and he made it beautiful in its time because now when we see it, we don't see a pointless death. We see a meaningful death meant for our adoption, meant to bring us in. Jesus' death was ugly, but it was made beautiful in its time 
through Jesus' resurrection. And now we look at it and we say, wow, that was ugly, that was horrible, but God, you did it for me. Jesus, you went through that for me. And now when I look at it, I see how much you love me, how much you care about me. You have made everything beautiful in its time, even the Roman crucifix has been made beautiful in its time because of what Jesus did for us. What God does endures forever. We don't have to be afraid of the work that God did on the cross, losing its power or its effect. No, what God does stands forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything can be taken away from it. So what does this all have to do with time? You know, we see in Ecclesiastes there's a time for everything, a time to be born and a time to die. And we read this and it kind of seems like, okay, that's good that there's a time for everything. That helps me to kind of learn to accept both the good and the bad of life. But even that, life just seems kind of pointless. Time just seems kind of pointless. I mean, we're all going to die anyways, but Jesus gives our time purpose. He gives our time meaning. What he did for us on the cross, taking our despair on the cross, gives us hope in life. It changes how we view time. Time doesn't have to be a waste. Time can be us joining in on what God is doing in time. Not just someday, but right here and right now. This time right now has meaning and importance because this time right now we're able to spend it with God. We're able to know God. We're able to know how deep and wide is the love that he has for us. You know, God says in the book of Revelation, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. What is the Alpha and the Omega? It's the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. So he's basically saying, I am the A and the Z. You know, sometimes we may think time is the A and the Z, and God is the B and the Y, but no, God says, I am the A and the Z. I'm in control. I'm over time. And because of that, you don't have to fear time as your Lord, and you don't have to worship time as your Lord. You don't have to serve it. You can serve me, not a blind marker, but someone who sees you, knows you, and loves you. We don't have to fear time in the past. We don't have to fear time in the future because as we just sang I know who holds tomorrow and I know who holds my hand and it's not time it's God God is the Lord of all what God does stands forever because of Jesus we can see time as a tool of God rather than something to cower under We don't have to be hopeless. We don't have to give in to despair each passing year when we think, oh, it's just another meaningless, pointless year. No, we can say, this year has purpose. I'm going to spend this year with Jesus. And I'm going to join in the work of Jesus in 2019, in 2020, 
and every year from now on forever. And I used to think that my life was sand through the hourglass, but now I know that Jesus defeated death and time is limitless. There's nothing confining me anymore. I'm not a slave to time anymore. And Jesus has freed me from that. I'm free from that because Jesus rose from the dead, rose from the grave. We get to follow him out of the grave. He's defeated death. We don't have to die anymore. What did God, or what did Jesus say? He said, God is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. You know, if, if time was our Lord, if time was all that mattered, if God wasn't real, then what's the point? But if, if God is real, and if God is the God of the living, that changes how we view time. It changes how we see our past. It changes how we see our future. It gives us hope for the future, meaning and purpose. And Jesus says in the book of Revelation, Behold, I am making all things new. In other words, I am making everything beautiful in its time. Good times and bad times are coming next year. But with God, we know that he's making everything, both the good and the bad, all of it beautiful in its time. And that's something to be excited about for this year. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are the God of the living God. We thank you, God, that you love us so much that we wouldn't have to be afraid of death anymore. We wouldn't have to be afraid of time running out anymore. I think back to when I was a kid and when I learned that we all die. And the immediate response was despair and and fear. But God, I I also think about when I learned uh, that you defeated death. God, that changed my mind and my heart. Because no longer did I have to live by despair, but I could live by hope and good expectations. God, we love you and we thank you for the time you've given us. It truly is a gift, like Ecclesiastes says, God. But God, we also see that the writer of Ecclesiastes and the, writer of, the writers of all Scripture long to see Jesus, long to see what he would do, long to see his day, God. And we look back on his day and we look into the present and we look into the future knowing that what you do and what you did through Jesus stands forever. And because of that, our hope can last not just a certain amount of years, but forever. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.